The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. What advice do you have about how to build that expertise and not feel like a fraud and still be able to make a living? So how do you balance the desire to try something new, but also feel like you're competent and confident, like an expert enough to actually do that thing, provide value and not cause harm? Well, today's listener, Lily, is posing that very question. Like so many of us, she's completely burned out from her time as a teacher during the pandemic and is searching for something new to take on. And she shares the experience of becoming truly an expert in her field, really, really skilled at what she does. In this case, it's teaching Latin, but not fully accepting of her own expertise until it was actually externally recognized. She shares that she's craving something new to sink her teeth into, especially as a maven, but also wants to feel like enough of an expert to market herself confidently and not feel like she's someone she's not. The real question being, how do you build credibility and expertise in a new career field and sell your services with confidence? Or do we all have to go through the inevitable dip before the new skills settle in? And how do you move through that as a high achiever with high expectations of yourself? But there's a bigger question here that we dive into in today's episode, which is, are any of these the real questions? And do you ever really leave yourself behind, leave your confidence, your skills, your expertise? Or is that just part of a story that we so often tell ourselves and we really do have the ability to show up and leverage skills, processes, expertise that maybe we didn't even recognize are extraordinarily valuable, even on day one of starting something new. And on deck with me this week from the Spark Brain Trust to help tease out what really matters and share insights and ideas is the founder of the Original Impulse Creative Studio and Atelier and coaching program for writers. She's also an author, workshop facilitator, trusted advisor and coach, Cynthia Morris. A quick note, you'll hear us mention something we call spark types in conversation. Well, what is that? Turns out we all have a unique imprint for work that makes us come alive. This is your spark type. When you discover yours, everything, your entire work life, even parts of your personal life and relationships, they just make more sense. And until you know yours well, we're often kind of fumbling in the dark. And just like today's listener did, you can discover your Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. You'll find a link in the show notes. Now, on to Lily's story in question. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Spark. My name is Lily, and my general life circumstance is that I have been a high school teacher for the past 10 years, and uh, the past two or three years, um, because of the coronavirus and circumstances, have just been exhausting, and I know that it's time for me to move on to a different career. I'm just totally totally burnt out teaching, and I want to do something completely different just really start fresh. My spark type profile is um, advisor and maven. And when I originally took the test, it came out with like advisor being a little bit stronger than maven, but they're really kind of 
tied for how important those two archetypes are for my work style. And teaching has been great, playing to both those things. Being able to, you know, advise and guide my students' growth is fantastic. And also, I'm really a, an expert in my subject matter, so, and I've become an expert also in teaching methodologies. So that's really played to both those proclivities so my specific question is just thinking about myself more as a maven than as an advisor. I'm wanting to move to, new, to an entirely new field and really just try something completely different, but I'm lacking the confidence that I want to have as a maven to be a, that I'm not an expert in anything else. And I found even with teaching that I felt like I was terrible until I had to admit that I was really, really good. Um, with my subject matter, which is Latin, I really didn't feel like I was that good at it until I spent time with a teacher who is one of the best Latin teachers in the world who told me I, he thought I was excellent. And and until then, I didn't believe I was any good. So it's like that maven that I really, I want to know that I'm an expert in something. So I guess my question specifically is being a maven wanting to have a really high level of expertise before I embark um, before I sell my services what advice do you have about how to build that expertise and not feel like a fraud and still be able to make a living as I'm building the expertise in a new area in a new career thanks so much The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Cynthia Morris, there is so much to uh, dive into here. There's so many different places we could dip in. But I want to call out something first, something which we have been friends and colleagues and collaborators for many years now. You may not know this about me. I studied Latin for six years. Shut the front door. <laughs> not. And at the end of those six years, could not read, write, or speak a word of it. Oh. 
I was humility. I was told it would help me as a writer. I was told it would help me if I was, and eventually, like I had a career as a lawyer in a very past life. Did nothing for me there. It might have been because, and it's funny because I'm hearing Lily share how passionate she is for and how skilled and accomplished she she sounds like she has been as a teacher of it and I was just thinking to myself I'm like I wish I would have I would have had her like I wonder if I would have actually been walking around now in the mid years of my life you know like uh still interested in being able to actually you know like look at things and see latin and and you know, like tell my daughter do you know what that says <laughs> well I bet you do though I mean because latin is the root of many languages you can i i don't know latin but i know latin languages i speak french i'm able to look at a french word and know the root of it and know how that translates to italian or spanish so i bet you do have some latin in there still working maybe 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 it's it's just sort of working on a uh, a subconscious script level somewhere there in the background who knows i mean maybe I'm super curious about Lily, like what makes a good Latin teacher? And when that person told her you're a really skilled Latin teacher, my thought was, how do you extract those skills out? Like what specifically, what skills or qualities contribute to her expertise that she could then translate into other areas? Yeah, I had the same curiosity. So before we dive in, why don't we, let's just first, um, for, for those who may be newer to the sparkotypes, uh, these are a set of impulses that, that, uh, when we do work that is aligned with these impulses, it gives us a feeling of meaningfulness and purposefulness and excitement and energy and access to flow and all these awesome things. What Lily mentioned was that her, um, primary and shadow, which is sort of like your first and second place impulses, are the advisor and maven. The advisor is an impulse which is all about guiding others through a process of growth. It's deeply relational, it's trust-centered, and it is uh, about creating a safe container that allows for something really magical to happen between um, you and those you advise. The maven impulse is all about knowledge acquisition. You wake up in the morning and your, your single biggest impulse is to go to bed knowing more than you did when you opened your eyes that day. And sometimes it, it shows up in a very broad curiosity about the world. Sometimes you latch on to oh, a topic like, let's say, Latin, and just become encyclopedic and know everything that you could know. So in Lily's case, it sounds like she's latched onto two topics, which she, she talked about. One was, and she said, um, you know, like she has, she is definitely a domain expert in the domain of Latin language. And she also said that she has, she has become an expert in teaching methodologies, um, which are two sort of like very separate things, but she sort of like plies them in this one way so that, you know, to together to create a bit of a magical experience. So that's kind of our starting point here. Um, I, I was a little bit curious also. She said she's been doing this for a decade now, and the um, the last couple of years have made it just really, really hard, which we've heard like across the board from so many people in teaching professions. And teaching as a general rule has not been the easiest job even before that. <laughs> there are so many complexities, especially if you're teaching a subject like Latin. I'm going to make an assumption that's being taught within a, you know, a more traditional school system. You're navigating, you know, all sorts of rules and constraints and and systems and paradigms that very often for teachers who are deeply passionate about really sharing what they know um, can feel incredibly stifling. And the pandemic, I think for many, was just like, it was the final straw. I think the hard thing about being a teacher would be 
the diplomacy required. Your work is with the students, but you're also working for the school. You've got to work with the administration and then the parents coming in, running interference on how they think you should do your job. So you would have to really be skilled at navigating all of those different agendas. Yeah. I mean, there's a a lot of politics and power dynamics and social dynamics. It's not just about what happens, you know, between you and your students in the classroom, which, which that alone is, you know, can be very complex depending on who your students are. It doesn't, it's so she says she wants to do something completely different, but it, it doesn't, it sounds like she might have some ideas about that, that it's not so much what to do, but how to feel a sense of confidence in what she's doing. Right. And this was interesting, right? Because she's not actually asking us, you know, like, what are some ideas about what I might do next or how, what other ways might I be able to actually sort of, you know, express these impulses. And my my take, it sounds like you had the same take as she probably has a whole bunch of ideas already because that's not the question she was asking. She asked a really interesting, different question, which is rooted in a sometimes tension between the maven and any other forward-facing service-driven impulse, which is also very often tied up in something you and I have spoken about, which is perfectionism. I think that the confidence thing is a big one. And, you know, as I was thinking about this question, I was like, how do we gain confidence? And she said she only had it when that highly renowned teacher told her how good she was. And I thought, do we really need somebody to tell us how good we are? And I thought, sometimes we're just, in, it's invisible. Our own strengths and skills are invisible to us. And I was thinking back to when I first was in the Good Life Project immersion with you and our group of people and Karen Wright, who's a master coach, after knowing me for a few days, she looked at me and said, you are the real deal coach. You are what a coach is supposed to be. You are a great coach. And I was shocked. I was looking around like, wow. I mean, I, I guess I might've known that, but I didn't really own that. And it took it being reflected back to, to really own it and take it on. So I understand Lily's need to kind of feel it reflected back. And, and yet at the same time, her question is, how do I make a living? How do I charge money for my expertise when I don't feel confident? Yeah, which anybody who's sort of considering a shift into a new space where you feel like, you know, okay, so this thing that I have absolutely come to know at, at an extraordinary level, that, and I, you know, for at least a decade she's been teaching, I'm assuming, you know, like she may have been studying for longer than that. If you're going to hit the ground running um, and have to learn, you know, like go from anywhere from novice to mid level knowledge or something up to a level of expertise that you feel confident than turning around and basically saying, okay, I know enough to turn around and provide value to someone else and ask someone else for money in exchange for that value. The question becomes, what is enough? Right. Charge, like how much money you mean? How much to charge? No, what, what is enough to know? You know, right. like when, yeah, when do you know start. enough to be able to yeah. turn around and like, and, yeah. and do that? And that's something that so many people struggle with, especially if you're a maven, because the mavens are always like, if there's something more to know, then I don't know it all. And does that mean, can I, am I okay turning around and sharing just whatever it is that I know and asking people to compensate me for that? 
Well, generally there's, I don't, and I don't know what she's thinking of delivering or how, but generally there's a period where you're testing your ideas. Let's say you're doing a newsletter like James Clear. He just started publishing a newsletter and people just piled on and joined in and his ideas were validated um, by just trying it. So trying something without charging money to get that reflection back uh, or if she's thinking of coaching people or working, teaching one-on-one with her, her expertise, charging a little bit, be sure to include a feedback process so she can get feedback from people about what's working. I would really do um, on paper. If I were Lily, I would, I would just write down the skills and qualities that she's using when she's doing work she loves. So when she did love the teaching, what was lighting her up? What specifically was she doing? What specifically did that teacher say she was good at? Really putting it on paper so she can see it and start to claim it before she even steps out. I think that's a a big step in taking on some confidence is just, all right, I'm just going to accept that I'm good at something. And she, she, she does know she's good because she, she said two things. She said, I'm an expert in, in teaching Latin and in these teaching methodologies, methodologies. And then later said, I'm not an expert. So you really have to take a claim for yourself. You, you do know some things. And even if you're stepping outside of your field of expertise, you know something about how to do things. Yeah, I love that. And, and the other thing is, I think, is, you know, there's an invitation here, I think, to tease out the two different things, which is a high level of knowledge about teaching methodologies versus a high level of knowledge about any particular new domain of knowledge, you know, like, which might be the subject matter of your teaching or your advising or your guiding or your coaching, whatever it may be. So if she steps out into something new where the subject matter that she'll be focusing around and you know, like building service around is newer to her. I get that. It takes time, you know, and the maven impulse for her is just going to devour everything she can to get up to speed on that subject matter. But what she's not leaving behind is her expertise in process. You yeah. know, she has a decade of becoming you know, incredible at, and, and, at teaching methodologies, at sharing, at, you know, awakening insight, at guiding people through a process of growth. Like the, she's not going back to zero on that side. Yeah. So she can, Lily can show up tomorrow in any new endeavor and know that she shows up as a bona fide expert in the ability to actually, you know, like on the process side. And sure, it may take some time to actually, you know, get up to speed on the subject matter if it's something newer to her. But she's not showing up green, like uh, on every level. She's showing up as a true expert in on the process side. There is so much value. I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think back about the teachers and the mentors and the guides who have affected me most in my life. And it's almost always been how they crafted a process of inquiry and safety and trust. It almost didn't matter what the subject, like I would sign up for a class for somebody where the process just absolutely lit me up almost regardless of what the subject matter is. And I think that stepping into that can be a huge potential confidence builder, no matter how much, you know, like learning there may need to be on the subject matter side, there's still tremendous value by being able to bring the the process expertise to what she's doing. That, I yeah. mean, what you're, you're nodding along. Tell me what's, what are you thinking here? I think that's a great point. I think what we're talking about is 
really her taking a process, taking Lily, taking herself through a process where she makes visible the things that are not visible to her now, like taking her skills and qualities and pulling them out so she can see them and own them and claim them a little bit more. I think doing that would go a long way toward building that confidence that she will get later from other people. But the other thing that I was thinking is, um, I just want to say, I know this feeling of wanting to try something new and feeling really insecure about being able to execute it and being really insecure about what are other people going to think. And I know that when I, I get too much in that place, it's really just my ego that's trying to keep me safe and protect me. <laughs> like, don't look bad in front of other people. And so that's generally not the best place for me to come from when I'm trying to offer something to somebody, how, you know, being more concerned about how I'm going to look like when I'm going to give a talk or present something. If I'm all worried about how I look or how I'm going to come across, I've, I've lost what is most important to me. And that's the connection to the people I'm there to, to serve. So the thing that I've learned to do when I get all caught up in, am I good enough or what will they think is flipping it over to what do I want for them as, as a result of my presence as a result of what I'm here doing. What do I want for them? And that immediately lowers the bar around like having to perform or look a certain way. And it gets me more into the thing I'm offering and the people I'm, I'm serving. And maybe Lily could play with that a little bit more, really thinking more about what she wants for people and how she can bring her passion and commitment to knowledge to them. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think it's, you know, it speaks to just us as human beings and what, you know, the chatter that happens in all of our heads when we show up feeling like, we haven't, like, this is something, this is new to us. And we're, it's like the first time you step into a classroom and the first time you step on stage to give a talk. And you, maybe you've been talking for, you know, like 20 years, but it's a new talk and a new topic. And, you know, you know a lot about it, but you still know there's a lot that you're, you're learning along the way. And it's always, you know, like, it, what you just shared is so helpful because when I when I have done that and I have many times and I will again in the future, this making the internal shift to say like, this is not about me. Like I'm just here to serve. Like whatever it is that I can share, I'll share. And I know that there's some value to it. And maybe five years from now there will be a lot more value to it. And that's fine too. It's a process of growth. That kind of leads me to to one of the other things that I was thinking as you were sharing this, which is mavens learn in different ways. You know, some sometimes mavens learn um, academically through traditional courses of study, through reading, through you know, like classrooms, through um, they they might devour all sorts of things. Mavens, more extroverted mavens, tend to learn experientially um, with other people in an interactive way. But what sometimes mavens don't think about is when they're starting something new, that the experience of learning how to learning how to, to internalize, synthesize, integrate, and digest a new body of work, and then share it with a new community of potential learners, that alone can be an astonishing learning mechanism. So if you look at the right. whole process, it's like, how cool is this? I'm going to treat the whole thing as my new living classroom. And forgive that. the fact that I didn't show up on the first day of class, like knowing everything. Of course I don't. Um, but there's still value in me being there and showing up you know, Lily didn't show up the first day, like a decade ago when she was teaching, knowing everything. And yet she still got a paycheck. 
you know, and I'm sure that, you know, that has gone up over the years as she's learned more and become more skillful. And and it's the same thing whenever you transfer to something new. If you look at the experience of interactive learning as like, you know, uh, both a way to provide value and potentially be compensated for it. And like, this is your classroom. Then you sort of like can embrace it and say, well, of course, you know, like um, every day I'm going to learn a little bit more. I'm going to know a little bit more and I'm going to be able to share a little bit more. And I think sometimes there's a little bit of excitement and forgiveness that can sort of like seep into the process that way. That sounds way more fun that just when hearing you frame it that way, it's an experiment you're learning as you go. That just brought my energy way up. And I hope that happened for Lily too. It's like, Oh, this can be fun. This isn't really uh, like this gut wrenching proving field. It's a place where I get to do more of what I love. And it also puts the focus on the material and the process and not about her and whether she's yeah. good enough. But so, so she said something about the maven. I wanted to circle back to you and see if this is true. Um, so as I was listening to Lily's um, question, she said, oh, I need to know I'm good at it. And I, I just challenged that in my mind. I'm like, do you, do you really need to know? She said something about the maven needing to feel like they are an expert. So is that baked into this archetype? This that they do feel like it's a sense of pride, or what's that about? Yeah, I think it's not necessarily. It's not. It's not um, necessarily about the Maven itself. It's about the pairing, the Maven advisor pairing, or we see this in a Maven sage pairing. Also, if like a, if there's a very strong impulse to turn around and share what they know, and then there's a very human impulse to both want to. Uh, present as being confident and competent and also do no harm along the way, then like the impulse to know and the impulse to share and the impulse to be, you know, like to be confident and competent and also do no harm, those can sometimes interact in this interesting way where it'll lead somebody to say, well, I can't actually share this until I know everything that is knowable about it because that is the only way that I'll be able to both provide legitimate value, feel confident and competent and do no harm. Mm. And if we were talking about a neurosurgeon operating on a very complex mm. case, okay, I get yeah. that. Yeah. Right. But, but for the vast majority of people yeah. and experiences, you know, like the minute you step into a room and we, of course, this is so true with Lily, just by what she shared, there is like value steps in with her, you know, even if the subject matter is newer to her, there's so much other value she brings to the experience. Yeah. So part of it is it's, it's more in my experience about the pairing of mm. the Maven impulse along with, and we see this a lot more with like the advisor or the sage, like something which is part of it is really about sharing mm. um, and guiding people and, and building service around um, that sort of like accumulation of knowledge um, so part of it is a letting go and saying, you know what? Um, I know different things in different ways. Mm -hmm. Some of them I'm I'm truly expert at. Some of them I'm sort of like I'm I'm learning. I'm 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 again. And no matter what, there's value in what I have to offer. And as a human being, I'll pay attention to the fact that I present myself in a way that feels establishes confidence with others. And I can do that because I truly am expert in like, you know, like the, especially in the teaching methodologies in the process. And if I'm concerned about doing harm, if it's a domain where I think that's legitimately something that may be a part of it, let me just kind of keep an eye on that. Let me pay attention to that. 
and present myself, present what I know and guide people in a way that I feel is uh, safe and, and appropriate. Um, and over time, I'll build the confidence and the competence. Yeah, I think over time, I think that's the, the patience that we just have to trust that we will build that confidence. I also just want to challenge the whole concept of being an expert. And mm. you know, how do you know when you're an expert? And when do you arrive? I think there's also some disinclination in the zeitgeist around that word that people are not as concerned so much about being an expert. I would focus more on the other E word, which is enthusiast. When I'm attracted to somebody, it's because of their enthusiasm of what they're sharing. They're just into it. They love it. Like they're, they, they can't wait to tell you. They just have to share. And that is really more about their love for the thing, their connection to that thing. And then their connection to, to me. Like, I just have to let you know about this. And I've been feeling this lately with a couple of books I'm reading and a movie that I saw. I saw this movie the other day. I, was, oh, I love this movie. I can't wait to just tell people about it. It's a little weird. I don't know if they'll like it, but all I can do is share why I like it and what I got from it. And then if they want that same kind of thing, they can watch it. Because I did feel a little insecure. I'm like, it's kind of a weird movie. I don't know. It's they'll be bored. But I can only share my enthusiasm for it and they can pick it up or not. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think people respond to our energy <laughs> so I, powerfully, yeah. so powerfully. Like I think often way more than actually like the facts or the ideas on the, it's sort of like they react to your, just the visceral presence um, in your voice, in your body and like in, in whatever happens between us. Um, I think of John Green. Mm, and, yeah. <laughs> and like he's with his brother and he's just like, right. oh, like it's all over. So I watched one of those total dork. I don't even remember what it was. It was it was about a costume. It was ridiculous. It was nothing about how great of a writer he is or how how you know many books he sold. It was just him being completely in love with what he was doing, enthusiastic and goofy and yeah. his energy. And and I want to circle back to one last thing before we wrap, which is that um so Lily shared that that her primary impulse was the advisor, and she said it was you know pretty much she felt like it was pretty much on the same level as the Maven. But what she's been doing, teaching, sort of like in a classroom type of setting, very often is much more about sharing what I know. The advisor is more about becoming expert in the process of creating a safe container, developing frameworks for inquiry and self discovery and self revelation. Um, whereas the sage impulse which very often is, you know, like what's most in, you know, like on display in a classroom setting is, is much more about uh, uh, sharing um, strong bodies of knowledge. And like her case, you know, like a deep knowledge of Latin and language. There's a lot that you actually have to, people don't just, you can't just create a framework or a process of inquiry that elicits a deep knowledge of Latin, you know, like from without actually sharing a lot about Latin. Like we, we're not all born with that inside of us. And it just has to be teased out in the way that a lot of other things are. So what's interesting to me is that this is an opportunity for her also to potentially step more into that advisor impulse, which is more about process that mm. she already has mm. and worry less about how much she's leaning on subject matter expertise because she has subject matter expertise in process, in the process of teaching, of you know, like distilling, of, of teasing out ideas and insights and creating the container and knowing that that um, may be the thing that if she leads with, um, she feels much more comfortable doing. And it also may be a mode of service that makes her come more alive. 
That's great. It's a great way to really emphasize both of the sparkotypes and see how, you know, to me, the advisor piece that you just underlined is really about how she would deliver the knowledge. Is it a newsletter? Is it speaking to groups? Is it hosting meetups? Um, so that's where she's, that's where she can learn a little bit more because she's had this container of the school. And now what's the new container? Yeah, so much to learn and play with here. So I feel it's like a good place for us to wrap up for the day. As always, Lily, I hope you found knowledge in this, everyone else listening. There's so much insight that uh, even if this is not your story, there's so much that we can all learn from everybody's story that transfers into the different types and ways that we think and feel in the psychology of how we come alive and work. Any any parting thoughts, Cynthia? I just endlessly curious. So Lily, please circle back and let us know what, what you do. I'd love to know. Cause I have so many ideas in my mind about <laughs> what this might look like. I'd love to hear back um, when you step out. Yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. Thanks so much, everybody. And we will see you here next week on the Spark Podcast. Take care. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive and work in life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life, take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked.